Hello and welcome to the Fifth Quarter Footy Podcast. I'm your host Luke and I've got Dita with me today and we're going to be talking about the Doggies and the Eagles. This is the final installment of our season previews for 2023. If you haven't heard any of our other episodes or heard us speak about your favourite teams or even just teams you're interested in, make sure after you listen to this you go out and check those episodes out as well. Dita's going to be taking us through uh, both the Eagles and the Dogs. We're going to look at a few key indicators for each. We're going to look at the ins and outs from last season. We're going to give a general prediction as well as what the club should probably be aiming for. And then we'll take a dive into some individual players who we think will be interesting to watch this season. Uh, Dita, how are you going? Yeah, going well. Uh, it's exciting sort of recording over the weekend, having watched a few preseason games, whether they're uh, intra-club matches or actual games between two different clubs. So it's very exciting to be very close to the start of the season. Um, how have you been? Yeah, good. It's been good having the footy back on uh, this week and this weekend. Uh, this is our first time recording, actually, since watching the practice game. So there will be a few episodes out before this that um, you might think we have watched the practice games on, but that is not the case. This is the first time we've actually watched some footy um, and got a bit of footy to go off with these um, previews. So hopefully... Um, these are probably the best previews of the lot, maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, so we'll start off with the Eagles. Uh, they had a massive off-season with the retirement of club legend Josh Kennedy, who I think he kicked 700 goals or something. So it's a big hole in the, the forward line. Jack Redden as well, sort of instrumental in their flag back in 2018, retired as well. And then... Junior, Junior Rioli uh, sort of trade to Port Adelaide. So that was some key outs. Uh, and in terms of Keynes, they had a great draft hand. They traded pick two for pick nine, or oh, pick eight and pick 12, which turned out to be pick nine and pick 14. And they picked up two local boys from WA in Ruben Ginby and Elijah Hewitt. And I think it's really exciting for West Coast to have some young talent injected into their forward midfield brigade um both look like they're ripe to start round one if you're interested in in super coach um but overall uh very interesting uh 2022 for them because i thought they dropped and so that sort of leaves a bit of a question mark over predictions and i think they're still mature enough in their list to potentially fight for a final spot even though a lot of people might have them uh, well down the ladder but I have them featuring somewhere between 9th and 17th um, which is a huge gap but it's just a big unknown really how their older players are going to return from injury or or off some time of football that they've had um, what are your thoughts on their off season and prediction yeah, so looking at the off-season, I mean, they've clearly, with Josh Kennedy and Redden leaving, it's a lot of experience walking out the door. And Junior Rioli, one of the better young players that they had at the club leaving, also hurts. And even the circumstances around it um, is a bit of a sucker punch to them, given the fact that they stuck with him through 
uh, all the drama that was occurring around him and uh, the start of his AFL career. Now, that being said, the the young players that they've brought in via the draft, um, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. They look like they're ready to go pretty much straight away, which is exciting. Uh, they probably both feature early. I think it's pretty rare that you see two high draft picks uh, debuting in sort of round one or in the early stages of a season. So for Eagles fans, that's really exciting. Something I feel like they haven't had for a while. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. Overall, though, I think short term, it's a, it is a bit of a hit uh, this off season purely just because of that AFL experience walking out and they didn't really get any AFL experience walking back in other than like a Jaden Hunt who will play will play a role, but um, I don't know if he's really making them a much better team at this stage. Uh, Prediction-wise, uh, I don't see them finishing as high as ninth, but I have them sort of in the 12th to 16th range. Uh, last season was obviously really disappointing, and I do think they will be better than last season. But I also think there are some teams... Most teams in the AFL are getting a little bit better this season, I think. And so I just don't know if they're going to be good enough to jump some of the other teams. There's been some pretty amazing, um, I guess, rumours, or not rumours, I guess, but predictions by some by some journalists saying they reckon that they're primed to jump into the eight, and I just don't see that happening personally. Yeah, got some great comments there. Um, I think it's good to note the uh, Junior Rioli sort of situation where he, I guess, drug tampered with a um, urine sample and had two years in the wilderness, really, and West Coast uh, stuck fat with him and kept him on the list and provided all the necessary training and um, support. And then a year or two later, he seeks a trade. So you can understand the frustration with West Coast. Um, but then again, Rioli's gone through some um, uh, stuff in his personal life and obviously seeking a new trade um, might refresh him a bit more back to SA. Um, outside of the... Moving on, outside of the two draft picks we've even talked about, they, they West Coast had a great draft hand anyway. I think really exciting with some of the players that they picked in not mentioned. And I think they picked up a new young Ruckman to help give a bit of pressure on the, sort of the established Rucks that they have there in uh, Bailey Williams and uh, Callum Jamison, I think his name is. And I think that just adds, adds depth because Nick Nat is nearing the end and they got Noah Long and, and a few other bits and pieces that are just young and exciting for West Coast who haven't traditionally had a lot of picks and have been at quite a established finals team and and so it's exciting for them to sort of see a bit bit of the light really in terms of moving forward um and in terms of my prediction as well i think that's in a if everyone stays fit and healthy and everything goes to plan um but in terms of their aim in 2023 i think their hope is to finish outside of the top four i think they've got outside a, of the bottom oh, four. Outside the bottom four, I should say. I think that would be a remarkable turn of events if they finished inside the eight. But outside of the bottom four is really where I see them. They've got a list that is not worthy to be down the bottom of the 
ladder. And I think that with the return of all these injured and potentially unfit players that West Coast was carrying in 2022, that they come come good up over this offseason to really maybe challenge again. But, you know, I think they're going to be a side where you don't actually want to play West Coast in West Coast. And whether you're, you're Melbourne or Brisbane or Geelongs that are up the top end of the ladder, I don't think they want to travel West anytime soon. Um, but in terms of Nate taking the next step, I've got two, I guess, unique names and it's sort of targeting an area of needs where Kennedy's sort of retired and they've got a big hole to fill. First name is Oscar Allen. I think he missed the entire... 2022 season with injury and then Jake Waterman I think given his experience and time in the AFL system I think he cements himself as a regular best 22 but there's a there's not too many names in West Coast that are sort of young up and coming given their mature list but they're sort of two that I thought could take the next step uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, interesting. I was actually, as you were saying, uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking about who those players would be for the next step. And Oscar Allen is the obvious one, but I could almost say that he's a player you could put on in the under pressure category. And I can talk about that in, when we get to that stage. But um, yeah, it's pretty clear as to why he's someone who could definitely take his game to the next level. Uh, I love the Waterman call. I think he just hasn't had a good run at it uh, for a long enough period to really establish himself. But I do think he's someone who West Coast kind of need in that forward line, especially now that, you know, they've lost their main their main guy in Josh Kennedy. You know, Jack Darling, if he's going to be under an injury cloud, which seems to happen a fair bit these days, you know, you need goals coming from elsewhere. And I think Waterman's a pretty good source from uh, for some goals. Outside of those two, though... Um, Tell you what, it's it's hard to say. Maybe one of these young ruck ruckmen that's currently behind Natanui in the ranks, maybe they take the next step. And Alan could maybe fall in that category. But um, I'm talking about guys like Bailey Williams and Callum Jamison. You know, they, I think one of those two probably break out this year. I don't know which one yet. I guess it's just down to which one earns the the second ruck spot. I guess and whether they're playing each week or they rely on a Natanui injury well that's yet to be seen but um yeah really good take i i'll uh, let you go for your under pressure it seems like there's a lot of names there yeah um before before we get there i was just wanted to say i think west coast have got a great sort of two to five years ahead of them in terms of their tall ruck and forward stocks i think darling and darling will darling and nick nat will obviously transition out given uh their age profile but if you have both Oscar Allen and Jake Waterman as your two key forwards and then you've got Callum Jamison as your main ruck with Bailey Williams being uh, the ruck forward I think that's a great um, squad to have moving forward and as you know as everyone in the football world knows key key position players do take longer but these four players we've mentioned have been in the system for at least four years so when West Coast sort of transition from their list build, they're in a great position to potentially target um, a sustained attack at the top eight. Um, so that's 
probably good good for them to have. Um, but in terms of players under the pressure, as as Luke noted, I've got probably half their list to be honest. <laughs> um, and first and foremost is their old and injured brigade. I think um, since the first bubble back in 2020, West Coast for the most part have been very disgruntled and very injured by mm. the looks of it. They never seem to be at full strength, ever. They never seem to be at full strength and there's always players missing with predominantly soft tissue injuries. Andrew Gaff, Sheed, Yo, you know, Shuey, McGovern, even Nick Nat, although he's had a few knee injuries himself. They've all really been, I don't know, almost... Um, underdone really whether it's in their off season or in season their bodies just haven't been able to hold up you know Sam Petrevsky Seaton crossed over from Carlton I didn't hear a word of him when he played in his first season at uh, West Coast and he's a former top four or five pick in his draft which is a bit sad that he hasn't been able to I know showcases ability because he's an exciting player to watch. Tim Kelly has been down for a few years since traveling from Geelong. Witherden, you know, set the world on fire when he was at Brisbane, but his later years haven't proved fruitful. So, you know, Gaff, Yo, Kelly, Shuey, McGovern, Nick Nat are all 28, 29 or over 30. And that's a huge demographic of their key best players that in the next few years might not be in the AFL landscape. So I think they West Coast really need to sort out themselves this off-season heading into the season. What are your thoughts, Luke? Yeah, it's a good point you make. And it's um, worth noting, yeah, the age of sort of their best players. And they don't really currently have any guys in their best 22 that I could see playing for you know another five plus years and all these names that you've mentioned like maybe the only one um i mean sam petrovsky seen if he can get it right obviously can alex witherden probably can if he can get it right outside of them they're all guys that are probably going to be retired by then and the scary thing as well is i think i think last season obviously a lot of injuries a lot of down um, a lot of players just breaking down, but Jack Redden, who's retired, I'd say was probably their best midfielder last season. So they've just—it's a weird hole. If if they don't address this in the coming in the next couple of years, West Coast, as exciting as sort of their keys and whatnot can be, I think their midfield could look really really weak going forward. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an, it's a big one. It's a big watch. Uh, I I hope that they can get it right this year because, as a collective, they are a group of fantastic players. They just haven't shown it the last year or two. Um, I will just divert from them for a second, and I will talk about Oscar Allen again. And the reason I would have him as under pressure is because, as you mentioned, he's been out of the game for uh, a year now, and he he's. Since he was drafted, he has been hyped up incredibly since day one. Uh, he's the next Josh Kennedy. He's going to kick, you know, bag of goals. He's going to be one of the best forwards going forward from day one. And it's very rare a player 
gets hyped that much, especially given that he wasn't a top, top draft pick. He was a first round pick, if I recall correctly, but he wasn't in the top 10 uh, or in the in the top... 15. Yeah. It wasn't top 15. That's what I mean. So he was outside of the top 15, and from day one, he's been hyped up as this guy who's going to take West Coast forward. He's going he's gonna to take the torch off Josh Kennedy and be that man. And I just think there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders going forward. If Jack Darling uh, regresses even in the slightest, they're relying on Oscar Allen to be the number one guy going forward. And right so far, he's had games where he's shown glimpses, but he hasn't proven that he can do it for a long period of time yet. And I know it's because he's been he's young and he's hasn't had a great injury run, but I think uh, he would be feeling the pressure now that Kennedy's gone and that West Coast are in a pretty precarious position with an aging list. Um, and realistically, a lot of these guys probably uh, wouldn't mind a flag before it's over. And I don't know if they're getting there um, at this current rate. So I think there's pressure on Oscar Allen to be a bit of a leader in that forward line. Uh, whether he's up to it or not, I, I don't, I'm not 100% confident, but I hope he proves me wrong. Yeah, I think um, Oscar Allen's size not being that, uh, probably closer to 190 than two metres tall. I think I don't see him obviously being the next Josh Kennedy. I think he's going to almost be maybe the next Josh, um, Jack Darling, just in terms of his um, height and sort of mobility. I think West Coast really need a potentially shipping off um, some of these key names and just get some draft capital from them. Not not that they're going to command a first or even a second round draft pick, but I think, yeah, the more we talk about West Coast, the more I worry about them in the future and they really, really need to target the draft. Obviously, this is not the podcast for that, but I think there's so many um, delisted footballers um from AFL clubs the last few off-seasons that there is enough quality out there that if West Coast have a bunch of fourth or fifth round draft picks or even in the rookie draft that they just get as many youthful players as possible in the door and obviously getting um, maybe even another key forward to give Oscar Allen that protection in terms of on the field protection where he's not commanding the number one key defender but the second or third um, and that also requires Jake Waterman to take that next step up and and play regular football Um, but I think that's all in terms of West Coast Um, an interesting team hopefully that they hopefully they can get their uh, injured and old players back on the park because they're such a dangerous team to play against you never want to travel west across the Nullarbor um, yeah, big question mark this year for the Eagles. I think they will get a few scalps and be a bit of a pest to play against. But yeah, I don't know if it's going to be um, a fun year for their supporters, that's for sure. I'm excited, though, for this next part. We're going to be talking about your boys, the Bulldogs. Uh, do you want to take us away? Yeah, uh, Doggies are obviously my team. Um, hopefully they don't talk for too long or <laughs> I might have to cut it short. But they had a very tumultuous off-season for a, many a reason. Um, the big, they had a the big turnover of some key list uh, listed players. The 
probably the most uh, notable one was Josh Dunkley leaving after two years ago, asking to go to Essendon. And then this year got his dream in getting out of the club, going to Brisbane, which obviously hurts when um, a key player goes to a key team who's um, competing for the same uh, thing as you, which is a flag. Um, So that really hurts us going to a direct rival in Brisbane and by the looks of it, Brisbane's flag favourites for mind. Um, Other players to leave the club, which I guess hurts our depth, but also a a key position, which is the wing in Lockie Hunter. Mm. The last few years, he's sort of underperformed in his potential, but he won a flag. Uh, he won a flag. He won a best and fairest in 2018, and I think any player that wins a best and fairest, you know, after a full season, you win a best and fairest. It just shows how important you are to a club. And when Hunter was up and running in his uh, better years, he was arguably top three wing, and I'll fight any player or person <laughs> for that. Um, and it's fascinating seeing this renaissance of the wing position mm. and how important it is with the running patterns and the disposal use and that more footy IQ than um, maybe even talent requires. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you look at clubs, especially in top four, they've all got great wingers. You look at Melbourne, they've got Langdon and Hunter now. You look at Geelong, they have Isaac Smith, who won a Norm Smith medal. They've got a plethora at Geelong. They've got Blitzars and Max Holmes. Yeah, Max Holmes is looking great. Yeah, they've got so many guys that work through there. You look at Brisbane, they've got McCluggage, who's arguably one of the best um, best, uh, wingers in the game. Um, So losing uh, one of the better wingmen in the Hunter at the Bulldogs is going to leave a big hole. And then just to finish off, Shaki also requested a trade. I feel really bad for Shaki because he wasn't given the opportunities at the club. And while Bulldogs have got a plethora of key position players, I still thought he had a part to play moving forward. Um, But then Wallace really hurt seeing him get delisted. I think that was the wrong decision, particularly if we're going for a flag. And given he plays quite a defensive midfield role, when Bulldogs lost Dunkley, I don't know why we got rid of Wallace. And I really feel sorry for him, particularly as well. He didn't get picked up. Like, in 2020, he won our goal-kicking uh, goal kicking award for Bulldogs. Obviously not the best year for anyone in, in 2020. Um, but almost made it to the All-Australian squad that year. So I thought I think that, thought that was a wrong decision from the Bulldogs' hierarchy. Um, but with a bumper off-season with some outs, we've got some key ins, which is very exciting for a Bulldog supporter. Um, Rory Lobb, the best of the bunch, he's going to fill in that centre-half forward role and help uh, Tim English with uh, ruck relief. Liam Jones, I think, is going to be um, an unheralded uh, player down back for us. I've watched him a bit this offseason, and he looks to be um, recapturing his Carlton form. So very happy, very <laughs> happy that uh, 
situation was that he was outside of the football for the last 12 months. And then Oscar Baker from Melbourne, we picked him up as a uh, delisted free agent or S SSP mm. um, player. Missed out on opportunities at Melbourne, but he does play that wing role, wing role very well. Um, and then the draft Bulldogs picked up Jed Buzzling around pick 13. Um, a high-flying key defender, which is always good. Um, what are your thoughts, Luke? Gee, you, you, you love your doggies. You, you, you spent a while on that one. But, uh, <laughs> gee, we'll start with the outs. And obviously Dunkley, huge out. I think he makes Brisbane a way better team. And I think it's a massive hit to you guys just because you haven't really directly replaced that player in your, in your ins. Uh, I don't think anyone is going to come in and slot into that role perfectly. I could see it creating an opportunity for someone like Bailey Smith to get even more around the ball. So for, in that sense, it works, but that's a huge out. And I think you're going to miss him a lot just as the workhorse of the midfielder of the midfield. Um, yeah, Hunter, uh, I mean, honestly, I think his time was up at Bulldogs, even though I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be really good at Melbourne. I don't think it's a huge loss for you guys, just because it wasn't working out for him. He had a lot of off-field issues. Um, he just couldn't recapture the form that he once had, like you mentioned. So I think that's it's a big loss, but I'm not really too worried about that. Wallace, in terms of a leadership perspective, it did blow my mind. I think it blew a lot of people's minds that he got delisted. Maybe he was wanting too much money. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, we, I just think it was a bizarre decision to let him go. And Shaki, I'm not really too worried about. So, look, those are the outs. But then the ins, I mean directly replacing Shaki, you've got Lob, and I just think that's a huge upgrade. I think Lob, uh, not only does he just slot straight into the half forward line and become one of, if not your biggest targets going forward, especially off the long kicks, I think he will quickly allow Sam Darcy to really flourish as well, especially given that it's looking like he's going to play forward. Uh, again, question marks. It's looking likely, given the preseason game and whatnot. If he is, I think Lobb is going to be massive in terms of his development, giving him a chance um, away from maybe one of the better defenders on the opposition team. It will just let him uh, get used to the league, I think. So that's a massive in, I think. Liam Jones, I, I, I don't know what to say about him, to be honest. Uh, I don't I don't think he's a player you want to be relying on too much, but I don't think the Dogs have much of a choice down back is their, definitely their weakest department uh, so good luck to Jonesy I hope he does well um, I was sad to see him leave the Blues but I'm also not too upset that he didn't come back to the Blues after his hiatus um, and then yeah Baker looking likely to play early um, on the wing I hope he does well uh, I think he, um, he's got an opportunity to really take that spot and make it his own so I like it and to be honest, I don't know too much about Buslinger. So from what I've heard, he's not probably going to feature early on. No, I think uh, Buslinger is looking a bit slight for um, his height and ability. And I think he's also coming, coming back from a shoulder uh, reconstruction or, or injury uh, when he was playing in the WA League. Um, 
In terms of my prediction for the Bulldogs, I'm being quite conservative and and saying um, I'm I'm saying between third and eighth. I don't know where they fall. Um, like any player with their own team, you, you don't have too much faith, and um, you just never know what Bevo's going to do week to week and wh- where the magnets are going to fall. And um, 2022 was sort of a weird year where uh, Bulldogs underperformed in a lot of games but then overperformed in some um so i'm i think that the aim for bulldogs not just a bulldog supporter but i think a footy fan their list is a now list and i think they should be aiming for a top four um never happened under bevo and i think there's no more excuses for bevo and and the team not to finish top four despite the fact that up there is going to be with a lot of very very good teams um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I um, I think you guys probably finished um, in the same sort of bracket, pretty wide bracket, but I think that whole part of the ladder is very open. Third to eighth, uh, I think, yeah, aiming for top four. I reckon I've probably got you just outside of it in terms of the list and I think what it can do. That being said, um, like a lot of the teams in the top eight, if you guys get on a run... Um, the dogs are going to be pretty tough to stop just because it's a team with a lot of X factor and a lot of firepower. So I could totally see them if they get on a run, just going straight up to the top of the ladder as well. They're that kind of team, uh, whether or not that happens, I don't know, but, um, I think, yeah, aiming for top four, I think they can probably do it if it goes right for them. Yeah, I think a lot a lot needs to go right. They've got a tough uh, early draw, I think, um, just before the bye. So they really need to bank on some early wins and get that momentum. Um, but the player to take the next step, I think this is a very obvious choice, but I think he is going to be key to any success that Bulldogs have in 2023, and that is Jamara Hagen. I think he's gain that maturity um, over the last sort of 12 months in what it needs to, what it takes for a player to make it at the uh, elite level. And Jamaro is looking very fit at the moment and he's just got such high scope that it's sort of scary to see where he falls. And he's early on in his footy career, but I'm expecting... uh, good things from Jamara this year if he can stay fit um, I know he's one of your favourites from a non-Bulldogs fan Luke do you have any comments? Yeah absolutely from day one I've been a massive fan of Jamara I think he's copped a lot of criticism over the last few years for no good reason I think he's just going to be a class act at the Dogs and honestly this is this might be a hot take but I think Jamara is, def- is going to be top five goal kicker in the league this year that's my hot, that's my big call probably my hottest take that I've got I really think he's the kind of player who is just going to kick bags bags and bags and bags and I think a big part of that is due to the company that he will have around him in that forward line you've got Aaron Norton who I think right now warrants the number one defender I think he's a superstar in his own right uh, and he's going to be kicking bags as well I think Jamar is then probably right now the second forward that you want to be targeting. Uh, toss up between him and Lob. Uh, I just think, but the fact that you've got those two guys looking after you basically, 
Uh, you've got a midfield that are just going to be getting the ball in there relentlessly. I think Jamara Smart are just going to get him in the right spots, and I think he's going to be really, really hard to stop this year. I can't believe it took uh, for him to kick five goals last season for people to start realising maybe this guy is worthy of the number one pick because I think, you know, for for such a young guy in, in a key forward role, he's done incredibly well to start his career, in my opinion. Yeah, I th- oh, a lot said then. Um, I think you also got to note um, with the 2020 and 2021 crop, very interrupted with COVID and and Jamara didn't play any games whatsoever in his draft year and that's six months or oh, 12 months of no exposure to football um, I know the AFL Academy system the AIS they always play against a VFL team with the with their all Australian under 18 team so he didn't have that exposure he wasn't playing um, for Vic country i believe he didn't play for um um his rep side so that's a lot of football missed and then he went number one um has the talent to be number one pick but you know there was a few there was a south australian and wa (laughs) key forwards that had four years in their respective draft year that also warranted a number one pick but I think Jamara right now is looking like the best of the three. Absolutely. Um, and whether Jamara gets the first, or I mean the second or the third key defender looking after him, you also got to respect that Rory Lobb is two meters seven. That's right. He's huge. He's huge. So if you've got a and Sam Darcy is two hundred and nine. Yeah. So. Two meters nine, like is Jamara the fourth tallest in the forward line, or is Norton just a bit Nor- shorter? Norton, Norton's around one ninety six. Jamara's one ninety seven. So he's basically equal third uh, tallest guy in the forward line. Yeah, so um, massive forward line, and I I don't know what teams do to play against um, Jamara because he's so mobile. We saw throughout games last year that he was clunking his contested marks mm. and getting that confidence to fly and I think with another body of work in the preseason and actually w- wanting it as well I think Jamar has come out and said he wants to be um, you know one of the best players he can be and doing all that extra training outside of the club is really going to set him up well um, but moving on to players or people under the pump of the Bulldogs um, I'm going to say this every year because unless he wins a flag, but Bevo has a bit of pressure under him. Um, and I think he's probably the number one uh, player at the club to have uh, that mantle of, of most under the pressure. I think there's just no excuse for him, really. Um, any any uh, senior coach outside the Bulldogs that had his list would be salivating with that forward line and midfield, really, you know, we haven't talked about Bontempelli, McRae, Libba, Tim English, um, like that's Bailey what Smith. Bailey Smith, Trelaw still there, you know, that's a very, very good midfield. So I think Bevo really needs to be aiming for the top four. Um, but in terms of players under pressure, um, a lot of the taller guys I think are under pressure and, and Luke can read them on my list. I think 
Rory Lobb, I don't. I think he might be under the most pressure, at least from my uh, biased opinion. And the reason is we really need him to help relieve some of that pressure that Norton and Jamari are going to take this year, as well as be very pivotal in that ruck relief role. I think that's going to be really, really important. Um, moving on, I think Bruce and Keith, they're getting on in age and Bulldogs have sort of um, got a lot of key personnel over the last two years that are really fighting or pushing out those two names from best 22 positions. So whether Bruce, who's now been training defense, plays round one, or even Alex Keith, um, it's a good headache to have one of those players in the VFL, but, uh, you know, 22 games in the regular season is a long time, as well as deep into finals, and they've both got to really perform to um, help Bulldogs through. And then I've written down Tim English. I think the reason why I've written him down is that his potential is so huge, but he's had a few interruptions throughout the last two years that sort of hindered that next step. I want him to really uh, take that next step in being that in that argument for being top five ruck in the league because you've got Gorn, you've got Grundy, you know, Sean Darcy's showing a bit. Rowan Marshall has the opportunity now. And I think English is up to the challenge um, to be just as good as any of those. But uh, we're just hoping that he's, you know, put on that extra weight so he can compete fiercely in the Ruck division. Um, what are your thoughts on those names? Okay. Uh, Bevo, yeah, I think you mentioned it. I think the list is too good for you guys not to do well this year. I think, yeah, a bit of pressure on him for sure. Uh, Lob, I from, I think you, as a Bulldogs fan, you're looking into this a lot more than the neutrals are. I don't think there's too much pressure on Lob, mainly due to the fact that if he does have a down game here or there, there are so many guys like him that can pick up the slack. Um, I guess the ruck relief is a big thing, uh, but he's proven over the years that he's very good, and if... If anything, I think he actually thrives in the ruck role. It's just that he much prefers playing forward more so than ruck. Uh, Josh Bruce was the one that I was gonna, I would have mentioned in this category. Uh, obviously, before he was injured, he was best twenty-two player in the forward line. Had some great seasons, kicking lots of goals. Um, very hot or cold player. With the way that this team has though started to get built the last sort of twelve to twenty-four months. He has been pushed out as the as a forward, and if he wants to play, it's going to have to be down back because there's no way he gets into the best 22 in the, in the forward line uh, without injuries. So if he wants to be playing regular footy, it's got to be down back, and there's opportunity there for him to really cement a role. Um, obviously, the other player who I was I would have put in this category is Liam Jones, and that's just due to the fact that he's been out of the game for a while now and there's an expectation around him to sort of slot straight back into the best 22 of a finals contending team uh he's that's something he's never done uh in terms of being a defender i don't think he's ever been a finals player at all so 
there's an expectation that he just comes in, slots straight back into the into the back line of the doggies and does the job and, you know, walks on with the rest of his day after the, the game's done. And I just don't know if that happens. So I think Bruce and Jones are the two down back for me that need to really maybe cement a, role, a spot in the team and um, just build into the season. I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on them. And if, if they don't have the best games early on, people will start coming after them, especially Liam Jones. Uh, so they're ones to watch for sure. Keith, I mean, Keith, I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, but I think right now he's the number one defender. He has been for a couple of seasons. He's definitely the leader of that back line. So he's going to have his work cut out for him just because there isn't a whole lot of defensive experience back there right now. And then, I mean, Tim English, I love him. I wouldn't say he's under pressure from a neutral point of view. I can see it from your point of view, though, too. So, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of names to be under pressure. But, um, yeah, the two for me, Bruce and Jones. Okay, yeah, very interesting about Jones. Um, yeah, probably does warrant a, a spot in here. Um, and just lastly, just in terms of Alex Keith, he was dropped quite a few times this oh, right. 2022. Um, and I think he's just... He looked his age, I guess you could say. He's over 30 now. And last year, he was really underperforming from what uh, the fu- the previous few years had been. And um, he's, he's definitely not the best uh, defender at the moment. I think, God help me, but Alec, uh, Ryan Gardner has uh, definitely overtaken <laughs> him, which is a worry. Um, yeah, that that really does highlight the defensive woes of the yeah, dogs. I think. Yeah, and I think if Bulldogs, you know, have a tussle in the off season between Bruce, Keith, Gardner, and Jones, I think that's a good um, headache to have as well. Um, just in terms of the key tools, I don't think you can play uh, three of them, or it just depends on what three you do have. Um, but Bulldogs also have some. Um, you know other defenders that can play keyer positions like a Crozier mm. um, who is an established um, experienced defender um, but we've ticked over the 40 minute mark and we'll probably uh, finish it there um, we're both excited to have I guess recorded our ninth podcast in this season preview and this is obviously our final one for that um, we've got a few more in store for us in the upcoming weeks. Um, did you want to say anything, Luke? Yeah, so coming up, we'll, we're going to look a bit more at um, some sort of season prediction-y type uh, things in the next one. We won't give too much away just yet, but uh, if you stay tuned on Twitter, I'm sure you'll um, you'll see what we're sort of doing. And in our next episode, it'll make a lot more sense. Then we're going to have a bit of a super coach discussion. Um Supercoach is such a big part of footy these days and anyone who's passionate about footy, there's a very fair chance that they're doing some form of supercoach or fantasy um, fantasy sports. So uh, we're going to have a bit of a chat about that. And then before you know it, the season's going to be here. So it's going to be really exciting uh, once the season starts to talk about what's actually going on and just seeing if what we've been saying the last you know few weeks are actually going to become true. So, um, really exciting times. If you guys enjoyed uh, this episode or any of the season previews, 
Um, just let us know on Twitter if you've got thoughts or opinions. We love hearing them all. Uh, we're really excited to move forward and um, move outside of these season previews, talk about some other things. So uh, if there are things you want us to talk about, just let us know on Twitter. We're going to be really active on there in the coming weeks before the season and then hopefully um, hopefully everything runs smoothly and uh, we can cheer about a Carlton win in round one and a Bulldogs win in round one. We'll have to wait and see, though. Uh, any final comments from you, Dita? Uh, yeah, I think the season's two and a half weeks away. Uh, I guess this is a upcoming to the Christmas period for us footy fans mm. and fantasy footy fans. Um, always exciting. New year, new season. You just don't know what is uh, ahead of us and there's so much uncertainty who's going to be in the top four, top eight, who are the risers, who are the sliders, um, who's going to win the Brownlow, et cetera, et cetera. So just exciting just to embrace the new season. And uh, yeah, we're excited to share with what's ahead with uh, the community here. Yep. So our link to our Twitter is in the bio, in the description of this episode. Be sure to check that out. Uh, Until then... We will see you next time for our next episode that is not a season preview. Yeah, see you next time.